Well, 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 well. We have reached the point here on Browner and Lawhead. It's the year in review show. It's the it's our last show of the year for John Browner and his illustrious world traveled famous co-host Jason Lawhead, comedian extraordinaire and Christmas enthusiast. We have done it. We have made it to the end of the year. There's been so many different sports stories that we've covered. We'll talk about some of those. Um, obviously, there's some sad news that we'll, go, we'll cover as well. On the show today, if you're listening in your car, we're going to talk about the what the hell happened with Carlos Correa. We're going to talk about what I think is signaling, signaling what is a major change that needs to come in baseball. But before we get to that, we had a major tragic passing in the football world of Steeler legend Franco Harris. Now, I wasn't old enough to see him play, but we all know Franco Harris, if not from anything, from one play. Jason had the luxury of being able to see Franco Harris and to have some memories of him. So, Jason, please take it away. Yeah, no, I mean uh... – it's a sad day mainly because uh you know it was the 50th anniversary to the weekend of the immaculate reception which if you have if you don't know franco harris you've probably seen the highlight of the immaculate reception probably in today's day and age with all the cameras angles they had they would have overturned the call but um (laughs) who knows i mean at least john madden thinks it hit the turf but um uh yeah, I mean, and then uh, he was going to have his number retired by the Steelers in two days or the three days, whenever they play. Um, I mean, there's only the third number ever retired by the Steelers. They don't retire numbers. Uh, I was old and I'm old enough to remember those last two um, Super Bowls championships, especially the fourth one when they, they beat the Rams. And uh, I remember those teams because we were Cleveland and we were down in the dumps, you know, compared to what we used to be and the Steelers were on their roll about to win their fourth Super Bowl in just the 10 or 12 Super Bowl year eras that had even existed at that point. Think about that. Not only did they win four, they won four of the first 11, 12, I think it was Super Bowl 12, maybe. So, um, and he was Jim Brown esque. Like he looked like a, he looked like a football player. He just looked like one. He wore the shoulder pads perfectly. He wore the thigh pads perfectly. He just hit holes with, you know, the grace. And, and and you know, he was like a mixture, a little mixture of Jim Brown, a little O.J. Simpson, maybe, you know, a little Earl Campbell in the sense that he could drop his shoulder on guys and, and knock over a linebacker and maybe another guy trying to take him down. He had all that. He was really like... I mean, Franco Harris just looked so good in those Steeler black and white jersey. In the 32, he wore it well. He just, if Jerry West is the logo for the NBA, I think a guy like Franco Harris is right there in the discussion. If you were to just, what a football player looks like, plays like, is like, is what we want him all to be like. (laughs) 
you know, as a person that he's the kind of guy we want all of our heroes and all of our sports stars to just, if everybody was like Franco Harris, man, man, we'd love our, we'd love our athletes beyond, you know, from the greatest of them all to the role player. So uh, as a, as I, I tweeted this morning, um, you know, and it was crazy because I just heard the news that they were going to be, you know, honoring it. And like, oh, and then it's like, wait, what? He died. And mm-hmm. as a Browns fan, he's probably the only Steeler I ever liked. So rest in peace to perhaps what I would say is a, you know, one of the, the greatest running backs ever for what he did and uh, what he accomplished and who he accomplished it with and how he accomplished it. I mean, it's no small loss in the NFL, especially with everything that he was going to be on the world stage for this weekend. This was going to be his ride off into the sunset as a seven, 72 years old only, right? He was 22 when he mm-hmm. made that catch. And um, when that wasn't even one of the teams that won the Super Bowl. That was just a playoff win. They would go on to lose to the Dolphins. That was the Dolphins' perfect season, actually. Uh, they would go on to lose to the Dolphins. And so – but – that that was the making that was the start of that team that was the first like oh man these guys are good and then um he was right there at the ground floor him and mean joe green and uh he's i mean mean joe green is only the only other guy from that team and then ernie stautner from the 1950s when they were terrible he was just an all pro that's the only three people in pittsburgh history it's almost harder to get your jersey retired by the steelers than it is to get into the canton hall of fame so when, when we have a passing like this, does it make you appreciate certain, certain current athletes now? Or is it something where – because when a person passes like this, because this is the part about when you have athletes pass, whether they be great athletes or – I mean, nobody wants to be – remembered as like ESPN puts you at the bottom of the ticker and that's like the last thing one ever hears of you. Right. But if you are, if you're in, if you are watching modern day athletes and sometimes we see great things and we just chalk it up as to, oh, that's the sport. But when you saw something, right? Like the Raiders winning this game at the last second, because of how stupid of a play it was by Myers, that's something that's never happened before. At the time Franco Harris made this play, Mm-mm. no one had ever seen anything like that before. And so that gave him the ability in athletics, what all men want, all women want, all competitors want. It gave you an opportunity to live forever. Franco Harris will live forever. And he may have passed in the physical world in which we all operate in. But the name of Franco Harris and what Franco Harris contributed to football will live forever. And to me, that's the coolest part of sport. This is only in comparison. This is no slight, but he's big. He's way bigger to Pittsburgh than Tony Gwynn was to San Diego. When you think about the loss of what you feel like is a family member, you know, I mean, football in Western Pennsylvania is a lot bigger than baseball in San Diego and those people that the people Again, that no slight to, no slight to anybody no don't slight get no He's slight just... what I'm I'm explaining is think of 
the loss that Tony Gwynn was to the San Diego community, right. how that felt like a family loss. People still talk about, they revere him, and, and rightfully so. This, this loss, especially on the doorstep of this weekend, this is a guy that brought four championships. I mean, this is a guy that made Sealer football what everybody what strived for. Yeah, I mean, what everybody got, everybody still talks about. Um, so if you're Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, I'm a Cleveland fan. We hate Pittsburgh, and it sucks to hear about this. I could only imagine. If you're really in, you know, ingrained and you're a Steeler fan, you're a Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania football fan, which they are rabid uh, from high school to college to pro. This is an ex- huge loss. Um, and, you know, it's uh, hopefully there's a trophy they haven't named yet somewhere, somehow. Maybe it's a AFC MVP. I don't know. Um, right. Divisional MVP round or something. But. Get get Franco Harris's name on something for NFL forever, whether it's the logo or whatever. He should be the logo, like Jerry West is. Jerry West ain't the greatest player in NBA history. Yeah, so just because Franco, he's not the greatest ever, we talk about him like he is. The, you know, real quick on that, the NFL will never put an individual on their logo. The NBA should have never done it either. But nevertheless, here we are. So mm-hmm. hopefully – Whenever they do something like that, I hope they give it to a person who was and meant a lot to the sport, meant a lot to their community, and meant a lot to their organization like Franco Harris did to, to Pittsburgh and to the Pittsburgh students in the game of football. Um, after that, news broke. Some more news broke. This morning, when I woke up and I saw that Carlos Carrera had signed with the Mets I went, wait, what? What what? What happened? Wait, that's that can't be right. Is that right? And so then I started looking at other stuff. Cause I'm like, am I tripping? I thought this guy signed with the Giants. Huh? What? Nope. I was correct. He did sign with the Giants. And <laughs> I don't know what you've been told, but Carlos Correa is now the newest member of the New York Mets. And the amount of money that they gave him to do so at the rate that they're going is pocket change. At the rate the Mets are going, they're paying guys who, you free? You want some money? You free? You want some money? You free? You want some money? Like, I, I get I get what the Mets are doing, and I 100% support what the Mets are doing. Jason, what did the Carlos Correa news, did it shock you? Were you, no. Were you okay. No, it Why? didn't. Well, because I, I, was a, I was a little kind of just like, wow, when he signed that deal. And then, you know. With the Giants. Right. And uh, I was just kind of, okay. And then uh, it just didn't ever feel like that deal was, uh, anybody was happy with that deal. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I feel like there's buyers and sellers remorse. I feel like everybody. So um, I'm not shocked because. Obviously, it would have been more shocking had it come like way later on, right? Like butting up right. to spring training, something to that degree. All of a sudden, news of a failed physical, whatever. If that's an excuse they can use, if a failed physical, because they don't agree with it, it'd just be like, hey, I don't care if you agree with their doctor. You're going to go down with this ship saying you don't agree with the doctor because we want out of the contract and he wants out of the contract. And as long as we can get this thing rubber stamped this way, the league office, you know, just will have to just 
nullify and let him sign somewhere else to another uh, buyer. And yeah, so in that sense, no, it w- it didn't surprise me because it was so it happened so quickly, and you kind of felt like, dude, does anybody even does the Giants or Correa even want this to happen? It didn't feel like right. that. That vibe didn't feel like that on his spot. It didn't feel like a big splash. Here we go. This is gonna you know be the big you know for that kind of money and that kind of years. But it doesn't surprise me that the Mets spent. I mean, they're already the Mets pay. Uh, Luxury tax next year is already more than like three or four teams' whole payroll. They owe like over 100, 100 million. Uh, try one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams. Ten teams. Which we'll, we'll get to. Mm-hmm. We'll get to in a second. I just want to say this about what I thought of the Carlos Correa thing. To me, this looks really bad for the Giants. If I run the Giants, I'm firing the general manager tomorrow. For whatever reason, when we did not get Aaron Judge. You should have come out and reassessed the public about the plan and how we're going to go about it from here on out. Our plan was to give Judge however amount of money it required to get him here. When that did not work because his heart wanted to be in New York, he started his career in New York. He wants to end his career in New York. We cannot get in the way of that because money's not enough. Home, quote unquote, hometown lure wasn't enough. I you should have gone out there as if I'm the owner talking to the GM. You should have gone out there and told our fans, this is our plan now. As opposed to this, this, I don't even know if this is a panic signing or a we're hey, look, we're busy doing something. We signed Carlos Correa. Cause this, yeah, and the reason why you're taking the contract back looks bad. And it looks really, really bad on an organization that usually gets these things right. So I don't know who sat down after they wink, wink, nod, nod, handshake this thing. But when it came time to put pen to paper, like this man, his whole family in San Francisco, they're getting, they're looking at homes. They're getting ready to do a press conference. They're, he, he's looking at schools for his kids to go to. And you wake up the next day and nope, never mind, false alarm. So I don't know if maybe he wanted out of it. They wanted out of it, and it was a mutual thing? I think it was. Because there's no way, if this wasn't mutual, that Scott Boris would allow this. If Scott Boris didn't have somebody else ready to cut that check, exactly. Scott Boris would have forced them to do this or never signed another one of his clients again. Because Carlos Correa ain't on the level of Aaron Judge, and for them to have given him this money out of the gate never really made sense to me, and it never really made sense to anyone else. I wouldn't be surprised if Boris... Uh, initiated the whole thing, got got the contract to where you can't step back from it at all, meaning money and basically years. You can't, you know, there's no. So he gets you, he gets you in with San Francisco. He gets you this tied into this deal that goes public. That deal eventually dissolves. Well, if the Mets want him or anybody else wants him, which I to hear the Mets want him, they've got to pay at least the freight we were already getting. I mean, we're not going to take anything less than 12 years and we're going to take the same annual that looked like it did when it was 13. So um, we'll come down to 12 only because that's the, that's where we wanted to be with San Francisco, but that's it. And so, you know, because you're right, he's too quiet on this. Right. He's way too quiet on this for this uh, to just be something he didn't have uh, most of his, you know, hands in the jar. The other side of this coin that I got to tell you, it burns me up from a perspective of a fan. If I am a baseball fan 
and I root for the Nats, Marlins, Guardians, you, Royals, Rays, Reds, Pirates, Orioles, A's. The luxury tax for the Mets is now $110 million. That's more than these 10 teams I just read off entire payroll. To me, this strikes a larger accord of what's wrong with baseball. Not that one guy will spend. It's that you have 10 teams who won't. Now, I don't know what the business model is for these teams. I don't know what I don't know how the Padres could wake up one day and go, you know, we're going to go for it because we believe there's more money in going for it than not going for it. And how a team like uh, let's let's just use the Nats for an instance. Washington, D.C. has a ton of money in it. Whoever's going to buy that team, if they haven't already, can afford to lay that team out with good players. The, now, if you want to tell me the, the, the Marlins don't have money, lies. You want to tell me Cleveland doesn't have money, lies. Like, I understand if now if your plan is, oh, we're going to prospects. We traded guys away because we weren't going to win with the group that we had. So now we're going to use prospects. We're going to grow our farm system. Okay, if your fan base is okay with that. But that's not what the Cubs are doing. The Cubs aren't on this list. But the Cubs have just about as much money as, as, as damn near the Yankees do. They don't spend it. The Ricketts have literally taken what was a World Series champion, dismantled it year by year by year behind the guise of we're rebuilding the organization. They've got a betting site in the damn stadium and will not spend money on players. Will not spend money on players. So I think that's baseball's actual real problem. I think that's why it's become a regional sport. Because there are too many owners who are not in the business of winning. They're in the business of doing business. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's true. The analytics of the finances for some of those teams that you mentioned that do have the money, right? I'm a Cleveland right. fan or a small market. We have money. They have money. Um, you know, and but the, the, the analytics of going over, going after, you know, one player for all that money, it's a financial analytics that they say, you know, you're right. We'll, we'll, we'll test the farm system and, and its progression. We'll try to get, you know, early contracts and, and young uh, prospects locked in for some years that we can work around so we can go spend, you know, uh, some money, but dish out the big salaries to when a Jose Ramirez, you know, shows that he's a, a, a perennial all-star when a Shane Beaver shows that he's a perennial Cy Young candidate that, yeah, then we'll go spill more than we'd want, but we're never going to cut that big, big check. Right. And the same thing for like the Kansas city Royals, when the Kansas city Royals won the world series, that was the worst thing that could have happened to them. Cause now they were never going to pay anything ever again, ever. And they didn't, by the way, they didn't pay for that team either. No, that was the farm system route. And it all clicked at the same time. And it just worked out. They were never going to pay any of those teams. Oakland's the same way. Oakland's never going to pay anybody. Nope. And they can blame it on the they can blame it on whatever they want. Oakland has had great players go through that organization that they were never going to re-sign. So I for me, if I root for these teams, I'm abandoning ship. I'm out, man. Because if you're not going to try, I'm not going to spend my money. These are places where you can get a $2 ticket at at, at first pitch. Yeah. Like how how where y'all making money at television rights? Stop watching at home. Like there's got to be a way that these organizations 
can, these fan bases can send these organizations a way to compete. And it's not about, because I think it's more about the floor or the ceiling. Or, unless there's a hard cap in your sport like football, this is not going to happen. Yeah, and then, you know, they bank on just, you know, coming down to the ballpark, seeing a couple of star players that they groomed, and if they stay competitive through, you know, the summer enough where, you know, it's still a day at the park for the family, and right. that's what that's kind of what – that's the business model. So, man, I for a, for a city like San Diego who had been labeled a small market for so long, and Peter Seidler appears to – be changing the appearance of what a small market can quote unquote do if you maximize the market in which you live in. And I think that's what he's doing. I mean, it helps to have no other professional team in town that you can then turn around and do this. But on the other side of that, man, there is a better way for baseball to go about doing this. And baseball was the first, I, the first sporting event I ever attended was a white Sox game. So baseball has a weird spot with me, Mm -hmm. but they've got to fix this. And we've got so we've got so much more to talk about when we come back. I will tell you what this year's best moment was for me, and Jason will do the same. Brown and Lawhead when we come. Brown and Lawhead, Mighty 1090 ESPN. This is our last show of the year. Jason Lawhead has traveled the globe. Mm-hmm. He's ready to he's ready to rest his sleigh, give the reindeer some time to chill. He might blow a whistle from here to there over the uh, over the holiday season. Got a show tonight if you're listening, and uh, hey. if you're in the if you're in that you know Orange County listening area, San Clemente, eight thirty show Molly Blooms. It's a great show. It's every Wednesday, probably my favorite bar show I've ever done. It's always a great show. Crowds are a lot of nice. fun. So I got that tonight. And what's the address? Molly Blooms, right off the five at the Coast Highway. Molly Blooms Pub. I don't know the address, but if you type in Molly Blooms, boom, it's up. No one needs the address. I mean, if you're listening in that area, you probably know the place. It's a popular, it's a popular landmark. It's been there for a long time. So, um, yeah, food's good, show's great, and crowds are always fun. I love doing it. So, this is the portion of the show where we would always ask you. what you should do to help the show like share and subscribe also please head over to manscape order some underwear some ball toner some clippers uh go to the website uh kaplanandcrew.com order some swag get my face on your chest we're still working on getting jason something up i'm gonna make a guarantee we will have something up for jason in the new year in the store so you guys can get your hands on it and, and, and support the brown and lawhead show what that is, I'm not really sure yet, but we will have something uh, up there. This year has been a really, really, really interesting one. We've had a <clears throat> we've had a lot of things occur this year. We've had a lot of things happen in life in general. But what are some of the things that this year, whether you're listening? today or via podcast on the on the uh, iTunes podcast or YouTube like share and subscribe again Jason what is something this year that will undoubtedly stick out to you oh well yeah I turned 50 and uh that that was awesome going to Spain with my wife and and spending it there and kind of you know evaluating everything and uh we had a great year look man um 
part of me is going to be sad to see 2022 go because it was such a great year. Knock on wood. Most importantly, family, my parents, everybody stayed safe and healthy. My wife. Um, so that's probably the best thing because that makes all the moods good as the year goes along, as long as those things are staying, um, you know, secure. And, and it makes for an easier year. So hopefully, fingers crossed, 2023 is another year and even a little better. Sure, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I'd say just that, being with my wife. And then so much, we were, geez, we did so much this year, you know. Uh, got to see the Masters with my dad, and that was amazing. Got to, you know, when my wife and I went to Hawaii for her birthday at the beginning of the year. Headlined clubs, did a bunch of great corporates this show with you um, you know i have a blast every day coming to work in my spare room and then you know this is a good time and the whole kaplan and crew every time we're, we're filling in so man i could go on it's uh it's been a great year you know and uh for everybody that's had a tough year i've been there i've had many of them you know it can get better it will get better and uh, just keep grinding and working and finding yourself if you're if you're having a bad year and you can't wait for it to be over i get it man i've had (laughs) dozens of those in my life so um that's it man but yeah i i look forward to the new year for me i would i would say first and foremost thank you jason for coming along for this show and and helping turn this thing into a fun ride of comedy and sports and entertainment and joy um because obviously a person who will remain nameless deserted the show <laughs> and we needed somebody else to, to to jump on and 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 be a partner and you've been nothing but awesome you have Thanks, come man. in and, and just tried to make the show the best show that we could possibly make it and i honestly believe that we're 100 doing that um for me Thanks, as the as the year is gone i think one of the more uh, uh, rememberable things for me, obviously, has been the opportunities that I've gotten to open up for you and stand up. That's been um, cool. It's it's really it's really open, and you guys can go check that out. By the way, on the uh, Captain the Crew Clips page, John Brown Alive. Um, that has opened up a door for me that I <laughs> I really feel like I'm going to go through. That's great. Obviously. I love the sports. I love I love uh, everything about what we do, whether it be Captain and Crew, whether it be Brown and Law, and I'm never going to stop doing that. Uh, but the comedy portion of my professional direction really opened a lot because of you. Obviously, I told the jokes, but you cannot get the opportunity without someone helping you. And I think a lot of times when we are thinking about what has what we have gotten in life, we never really give the person who's helped us the credit that they deserve in the moment in which it is happening and it is occurring. A lot of people wait to the end to go, oh, I remember 10 years ago when I first got my... Yeah. Now, in the moment in which I am in, you played such a large part in that and giving me the opportunity and me learning from you and watching you and, and seeing how you do your business, seeing about how you prepare and see about how you carry yourself as a professional. Not not on the stage, but off the stage, how you carry yourself as a professional, you you where you say you're going to be, you're on time and you treat people with respect and me oh, man, watching thanks, you man. do that. Me watching you do that has really given me a great example of what direction to go in, in this business and in other business ventures. Cause 
all business as a person, it works the same. Be a good person, communicate, and don't strand people who are paying you. Right. Period. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You've been such a you've been such a great example to watch do that. That I'm I'm so thankful to just have had you around and to be able to learn from Damn, you. So I really appreciate that. Hey, thanks, brother. I, uh, I I that means a lot to me. And and you know, like w- when we first started doing these shows, and I brought you along, I, I I said then, you know, I people did that for me, and I I won't forget. You know, so whenever I get a chance, rare chance to, uh, you know, share an opportunity. And just be an example. You can't, you know, I go, you can only like, I had to learn through some, some, through some other, you know, missteps and <laughs> in life that, you know, you can only learn how to act by example. So I, I appreciate that you point that out because, Hey, I can give you opportunities, you know, tell you, Hey, you should tape your sets, man. And, and listen back to the really, you know, stuff where you can tighten up. And, uh, and then I can just be uh, what I think, you know, I, I should be. And if you're noticing that, and you follow that or take something from that great um and uh i'm excited to see where you go with it we're gonna do some more shows again this year i'm already starting to lock down uh some dates for the comedy store hopefully we get one there it may not be till may but you know it's a busy calendar and some other stuff hopefully we get to do humphreys again and explore and do some Mm -hmm. other things and um yeah and like you said what you said earlier is, is right my wife uh when I think about the great, my wife, uh, you as a partner being so easy to work with and, and we do work well together, uh, Scott Kaplan and Alex for, you know, Scott, you know, believing in me enough, you know, to even have me on the shows and then to say, Hey, you know, why don't you jump in and be on the, on the, on the air with Browner? This has been a delight. All the people, you know, that get you here. And you, you're lucky to just be still throwing punches, man. You know, that's that's it. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, Stallone and I think in Rocky 50. I don't know which one it was. He said he was talking <laughs> yeah, to his yeah. son. He's like, it doesn't. Yeah, I love that sign. Like, it, it isn't about how many times you get knocked down, you get hit. It's about how you get up and keep going. So that's that's, you know. Words of wisdom. Now, that's a good, good words of wisdom from the end of a year into a new year. From a sports perspective, mm-hmm. I will never forget being in the building, being in Petco Park. Yeah, you were there when the Padres beat the Dodgers. Now, that's nothing to on the scheme of things, but for this team, this franchise, the direction that they're going, the moves that they're making, to beat a fully healthy. Fully loaded Dodger team in Petco Park in the in the midst of rain, which appeared to be like tears right. of joy, right? Was just such a surreal, crazy moment, and to just flush out into the gas lamp and ha- and just literally just be out there to like I think it was like two thirty. I was at like two. That's crazy. Just the just the unbridled joy of being around other people, enjoying a moment like that, because some people have been Padre fans all their life, thought they would never beat the Dodgers in the postseason. And here you are. Not only did it happen, you were in the building for when it happened. It was just one of the one of the awesome moments of this year that I will always, always remember because it was a great sports moment, yeah. not only just a year. Yeah. Yeah, and my great sports moment was obviously getting to see Tiger and his Sunday red at Augusta with my oh, dad yeah, sitting right there, seeing him tip the cap at 15, watching him play a couple of holes. And uh, 
nothing's going to top that. That might be the sports memory of my lifetime at when I, when I eventually say the last show I ever do. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was, that, that's one that'll, I'll never forget. You know, in pop culture and world culture, there are some, there's some other people who, you know, left us queen Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. Uh, which was one heard around the world. Sidney Poitier died at 94 this year. Bob Saget died at mm. 65. Um, who else we got? Uh, I mean, all kinds of people. Uh, you can't even, you know, you sit there. Meatloaf, 74. Louis Anderson, 68. Louis Anderson. Um, Sad. Uh, Charlie Chris, 30 years old. I mean... Uh, what's his name? You know the the Twitch guy recently. What a sad Betty a Davis, sad seventy-seven. Ending. Yeah, Twitch from the Ellen Show. I don't know how old he was though. Uh, I think he was in in his early forties. Uh, I think. Um, Betty White, ninety-nine. She was ninety-nine year old Betty White. Um, they just so over a year, and it always seems to happen this way. That when celebrities die, they like die back to back to back. So I've always, it's always been one of those things where when one person dies, another one, Naomi Judd died at 76. Wow. I forgot. Yeah, she did die. And and, and that's the thing. Like, as I'm looking through these names. Of James Kahn. Bob Lanier. Bob Lanier. Don't forget I met Bill Bob, Russell. I met Bob Lanier, Bill Russell. Bill Russell died. Ray Liotta died at 67. Ray Liotta. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is something that we all deal with. No one, no one is immune. No one can avoid death. Tony Saragusa died at 55. We all die, um, man. Doesn't matter what, how much money you got, how, uh, what color you are or what, you know, man, woman, it's, we all got this, we all got that in common. We all go meet the dirt at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see if I, I yeah, I got Bill Russell. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any... Finn Finn Scully Finn died at Scully. 94. Finn Scully, Olivia Newton John at 73. Like there's so many different people who have met their their end this year and, and just a, a rest in peace and may they carry on into the next life and try to, you know, uh, uh the people who lost them find peace. I think Queen Elizabeth was the one where everybody was like, oh my god, oh. uh pop culture. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more to talk about in this than one thing and one thing only. You know it. I know it. The slap. <laughs> I think, I mean, you don't even have to describe, just call it the slap. I think of, <laughs> of the pop culture, the slap was the, <sighs> it's going to sound terrible. It's the second most important thing that happened this year outside of Queen Elizabeth dying. Because literally everyone talked about it. Yeah. It happened at such a point where it was globally broadcast. The Oscars is a global broadcast. Queen Elizabeth meant everything to global, to every country. She meant something different to each country. The slap, Will Smith is a global icon. Chris Rock is a if not on the Mount Rushmore of comedians, if they build another one, he damn sure is on that one. So for these two people to have something be, people go, is that real? Like at first, a lot of, some people still don't think it was real. 
for that to happen in that moment, set what we now have as Twitter on fire, social media on every, there was not a broadcast that did reporting that did not talk about that. It led almost every story for weeks. Yeah, so, it didn't go away for a while. It did not go away at all. Like it's literally still prevalent now because people are going to be doing year in review and people be talking about yeah. how crazy the slap was. It's back in yeah, it's back in the news cycle for the years in review. Absolutely. Yikes, man! Yikes. I mean, obviously R. Kelly was terrible. Kanye West was terrible. Kanye. Kanye. Whatever Elon Musk is doing, he's literally just. I don't know. The world's upside down, man. It's uh, yeah, man. It's upside down. I mean, obviously, we had the we had the war in Ukraine. We had abortion and Roe v. Wade be overturned. Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner finally got free, which that became a a topic of when she was actually freed. So, I mean, and obviously, COVID. (laughs) uh, The midterms. There's been every every year. It seems like things are getting crazier and crazier, and yet here we are constantly surviving and surviving and surviving the craziness. Yeah. Well, the part the problem is is every you know, so much of society is hyperlinked into because of social media. Right. And they know it. And so the feeds are not, I mean, the, you, they know your you know, the masses are scrolling. So what are they gonna what are they gonna do? Fill the feeds with, you know, the the nice little you know, a heartfelt story about the kid that helped right. the lady walk across the street in the neighborhood and he got a merit badge for it. No, they're going to spew the sewer. Um, and that's what, you know, that's the, that's the shame, you know, I mean, even I, mean, I don't, I'm, I, I back <laughs> off of social media as much as I can. I'll post, I'll try, you know, sports stuff. And even then sometimes I'm like, what am I doing on here? Even when I'm just like being innocent on it. And then it's just like, then you see the other, it's like a landfill twitter dude you know one of the things that i have tried to i it's funny because i talked about this on the uh on on the show earlier i try not to open social media for an hour hour and a half when i first wake up yeah i literally try to stay away from it because the energy that you can take in by opening these apps yeah is 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 insane it's like if you Try it. Like if you are, if you find yourself just just text messages. Like if you wake up and immediately start going to the text or an email, just because of like things that are actually relevant in your life. There's just a. It, it just is a. It's too early to to anxiety. It's like you might as well just wake up and throw a cup of coffee in your face. <laughs> Hot yeah, coffee. that's what I mean. Like, psh, ah, ah, like you you might as well just start the day. Just that way, but yeah, because that's what that's what you're digitally doing to yourself. The 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 inter the entertainment shock that you give to your system the second you wake up, if you reach for your phone, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. I would tell people, I would give people any advice, and that we'll we'll go out and if we're gonna give advice mm-hmm. going into the new year, the next time you hear us, I hope that you are practicing the social media. Uh, 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 slow down. Step back. That I, this, yes, the social media step back. It wasn't called. Yeah. Do not engage in social media for the first hour that you wake up. And if that requires you to wake up an hour earlier, do it. Don't pick your phone up. Right. Be with yourself. Open Brush a window. Your teeth. Right. 
take in some air. Don't turn on the news because that can be just as bad as social media at times. Wake up and just be with yourself. Be thankful for waking up. Take the energy into the day because the second you open that phone, you you're, you're it's open all day. You whatever's happening in a part of the world that you've never heard of, you're now receiving that information. Whatever's happening two blocks away from you on local news, you're now receiving that information. The amount of information that we're taking in on a daily basis, I honestly believe we're not supposed to. No. We suffer from over-information. As this show gives you sports information. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we suffer from an over-intake of information, and I think if we take some time to just kind of be with ourselves as we wake up, I think we will have a better day and a better year going into next year. Yeah, man. Cause it's really like the more you it's you're being fed it, right? Yes. So if you allow that the the feed to just it it would almost be like if you're if you're on it constantly and it's the first thing you do when you wake up and it's the first thing you do before you go to bed, then that's basically the 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 same as like every meal you eat is a Nathan's hot dog eating contest. I mean, oh, that's, but literally think about like, if you had three, three meals a day and they were all like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> that's kind of what you're doing to your mind. Um, when it comes to all that, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're scrolling things like, you know, the world news, the local news, and it's all this and this, and you know, these guys assaulted this and this fight video and this video, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like this police video is just like, ah, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And so like, we're here. I like those cooking videos. I scroll the cooking reels, man. That makes me feel good. No, it does. Like like how a guy starts with something, you know, like, it's like one minute, they cut it down, they boil it. Right. I love that stuff. That stuff inspires me. I'm, like, I'm making Dude, that tonight. People, in the second piece of advice I would give before we get out, we got to, uh, 15 seconds. Find, if you're going to have to do that, follow cleansing things on your time. Yeah. Put things in there that are not fights or stress or other people's business in 2023. Until then, Browner, Lawhead, Miter to 90 ESPN. Peace. Next year, baby.